0: April 19th, 2023, we're in Masechet, Betza, and Vav Amud Aleph, at the top of the Amud. Um, let's start again at the very top of the Amud, um, the three words onto the first line. Now, if you recall what the Gemara was addressing and dealing with was that the Mishnah told us that there are certain situations which are permitted uh, to send gifts on Yom Tov and others where it's not permitted. And uh, the basic qualification, the question just is what fits under that heading, is if it's going to be usable or appropriate for usage on Yom Tov. that was our general understanding of this, um, that's permitted, otherwise not. And uh, the Gemara questioned that because it said that the Mishnah mentioned even if it's clothing which has in it kilaim has which means it's forbidden for you to put it on to you, you're allowed to send that. Why should you be allowed to send that? The person who gets it isn't going to be able to use it. So the Gemara had struggled with it. Ultimately speaking we found an answer. Right, it's the, right. Is it and the person giving it if they get no use for it either, it's not rigid it's not, Let alone give it away. If there's no usage for it, then it would be Muksev even for him, so you it, unless it's, it's a keli. just any use, can't why do worry about... Right, so the Gemara actually is going to point this point out, that sort of uh, realization that you're having in a bit. You see, over here what we're dealing with is items which are being sent, which are a keli, they have some usage, is what usage that is in terms of a purposeful way for this person who's receiving it. And the example the Gemara will give is a, a shoe, which we talked about, the sandal the ha which the rabbis forbade from wearing on Shabbat and on Yom Tob, the Gemara will question, well then why is it only about sending that's prohibited? Why not even moving it? So the Gemara will pick up on that, but over here at this point, we're dealing with kelim. It's not going to be a simple if It has some usage, anyway. So the Gemara resolved this issue and suggested it's ela Bikashino's Those top two words on the page of the amud here, and davtevav which means they're rigid, they're stiff. Um, this, uh, this garment which is made out of sha'atne, is made out of kilaim, And as a result, as Rashi made clear for us, it's permitted to sit on it and to have it underneath you as Tosafot filled in for us since to begin with. Underneath you is only forbidden min dirabbanan, min it's only placing it on you and getting warmth from it in such a fashion that sha'atnez is forbidden. It's underneath you, it's at most, and iso banan, since it's stiff, since it's hard, and it's not a regular heat uh, provider, uh, that is permitted. Again, it's provided that you're sitting on it. The Gemara then said, "Vechiha." It's similar to. Now, the it's similar to is either it's identical to, or it's similar to, and that's what we left off briefly yesterday. Is a dispute between Rashi and Tosafot. So, this is a description of again, as I mentioned, several Aramaic words, but it's effectively a garment which is made out of namta felt. Gamda means it's strong, it's hard, it's stiff, and it's made in a place called Narash. So, effectively, we're dealing with an identical situation. That's what we were talking about earlier. That's until now. That's what we're talking about, sending on Yom Tov. And the statement here is it's permitted with regards to Sha'at We would imagine, it's the way Rashi interprets it, that the word Sharia, it's permitted, Means it's permitted to sit on it. To place it on top of you, we won't go that far. In other words, since it's stiff and it's not the way of providing heat, uh, warmth in such a fashion as we were suggesting until now, you could sit on it. To place it on you, where you're playing with an isur from the Torah, we shouldn't and would imagine we couldn't go that far. See, Tosafot points out, though, the word sharia is permitted is an all-encompassing word. It's a very simple word. The word is permitted. You didn't give me any justifications, any, well, it's permitted under these circumstances to sit on it as opposed to place it on yourself. And Tosafot suggests that this last case that the Gemara is mentioning over here is not identical, it's even more lenient than what we've been addressing until now. What are you talking about? How many how many classifications? Several. So let's just try to make this clear. The Torah says that what's forbidden to have a shaatnez is something that you place on you. There are further qualifications. The Gemara in one or two places says it needs to be a fabric which is shuatavui tavui venoz. Those are the famous words that describe what the definition of sha'atnez is from the Torah. Now, shu'a means it's, uh, it's, uh, the, the fabric was, was worked in so much that it's, at this point, soft and smooth. That's one qualification. Tavuy venuz means that it's meurag. it means that it's woven. As a result suggests, Tosafot, our circumstance over here is it's not only stiff, you're dealing with this felt fabric, which is not even woven. It's so far removed from any of the, any of the concept of the Isur from the Torah in this felt circumstance that it's permitted even to wear. You understand that this statement over here, the words, are what triggered Tosafot. The word Sharia made it appear as if it's fully permitted even to wear. We haven't extended anything that far. Sometimes things are even permitted, says Tosafot, to wear. Why so? Because it's stiff, which means as a result, it's not providing warmth. It's furthermore and significantly removed from the concept of the Torah, because it's not tavui venos. it's not woven. The you're trying to find leniency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it yeah. isn't <laughs> stiff, but it isn't stiff. So you're dealing with an Isudra Banan, right. generally speaking. In other words, what Nathan is pointing out, not, it is stiff, so according, I mean, if, and you'd have to speak to a shatnez expert. No, I understand, but if, if it is stiff, and, um, and it's not woven in, according to Tosafot's reading of our Gemara, I can't tell you per se if A this is the reality or B this Still is the normative approach. No, According to Tosafot, you can be wearing oh, it. On, so so no, so Nathan is. Call. Let, let's call it this. Oh, so He's melamed zechut. <laughs> yes. But is it actually sewn into <laughs> it? Oh, you'd have to. You'd have to dive into these things deeper. I, I can accept, if, if, I gotcha, ultimate, but, but Robbie, if it's so far removed from the Isur, the suggestion is, it's mutah, uh, so far removed you, to like, to wear it. it, to wear it, we to know. wear it. Apparently you would be wearing it. I, you know. right, says the Gemara onward, three lines from the top, papau another statement with regards to Sha'adnez, Ardelaim en bahen mishum What are Ardelaim? Ardelaim, generally speaking, we translate as socks. Explains to Rashi, right-hand side, four lines from the top, Ra'iti hageonim. Rashi is citing from rabbis who preceded him after the Gemara time period. One of the time periods is referred to as the time of the geonim. We're dealing roughly from 7th century through 10th century ra'ite bit shubot geonim shrigilin lelovshan tahat min alayhem The Tolin alayhem or shel tayashim ma'abadim tahat karkaitan wa knegad ha'akef shel ha'reger yesh usinotan shel semer so Rashid describes from the Ge'onim that shoes used to be, to a certain extent, they're still made in such a fashion. At the bottom, there's a certain, some shoes, a leather, Orshel uh, Tayashim, that's going to protect the bottom of the shoe. By the ankle, however, there will be semeh, there'll be wool in order to protect and provide warmth and make comfortable at the ankle. And then Ardelayin are the socks, which are worn together and inside of that shoe, which are made out of uh, linen, made out of pishtin, made out of pishtan, and as a result, the issue in such a circumstance is since at the ankle of the shoe, uh, you have semer, you have wool, and the sock, the ardelain, is made out of linen, made out of pishtan, you should have a problem. It's not mixed. Have, Well, it's to a certain extent mixed. It's not woven, it's not mixed, so it's not gonna be asur from the Torah but ultimately speaking you are cloaking yourself in something that is linen and wool together. I mean, how are not you defining the, the mix. Do you find mix because it's woven, because it's sewn in. So it's not going to be a in Torah. In such a circumstance, though... In such a circumstance, though, the halacha is, says, says Rav Papa, en bahem mishum kilayim. Why is there no kilayim, says Rashi? Dekashin hen. Apparently the linen which is used in those socks is, is stiff and as a result uh, doesn't ha- pose a problem of Sha'atnez. Lastly on this issue of Kilaim of Sha'atnez, says the Gemara, Amar Rava. Why is the Gemara mentioning all this? Again, it all began with the mention from our Mishnah. It's not proof per se because we're just attributing this law and applying it to other that cases, but it's backing up the concept that we have that normative practice with regards to halakha on kilaim on sha'atnez is that if it's kashim, it doesn't pose a problem of sha'atnez. Amaravahane sirare dipshite en bahen mishum kilaim. So dibazrane yesh bahen mishum kilaim. Serare, um, l'sror, means to wrap something up. We're dealing with a pouch of sorts. And peshite is the way they would refer to coins. Serare de peshite means, and hane means these. If you're dealing with a pouch, which, uh, which within which you wrap coins, en bahemishum Now, before we read Rashi, we just know from context why this might be permitted. Apparently, it's going to be hard. It's going to be stiff. That's what we've been talking about until now. The pouch is made out of shatnez, but there's no issue in having it on you because it's stiff. Alternatively, or in contrast, if it's dibazrane if it's um, if it's to wrap um, tivua to wrap uh, grains, uh, there is a problem. Why would you distinguish between these two? Rashi, take a look at the right-hand side. Serare de peshite, in bahen mishum Beged kilaim explains Rashi, if there's fabric which is made out of shatnez, shesirurin bo maot, and you have wrapped in it coins. Mutar litinan, lititan beheko. You're allowed to put it against your chest. maot makshinoto, Because the coins which are inside of this pouch, Cause the fabric to become hardened. The person, as a result, is not warmed through it. alternatively, well, he's not holding it. He's being maniah. He's being, uh, he's, being noten he's like holding it or, or clutching it or wrapping it onto himself. Bahem, Ziraim, you have seeds of sorts in it. Yes, by him not not grain, seeds. Yes, by him kilayim. In such a circumstance, it doesn't harden the fab fabric. The seeds veasur titan betoch That's the statement here of the first opinion, of the Gemara. So again, five lines from the top. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, three line four lines from the top. Amarava Hane serare de peshtein. And by mishum kilayim. Kama if they have seeds that are wrapped in it, and that's what it's been used for. Uh, as a result, the shatnez is not hardened, and yes, bahem mishum kilayim. Rav Asheh ammar, Rav disagrees with the notion and says, Echad zeh, v'echad zeh en bahem kilayim, lefishe en derech chimum bekach. Rav disagrees with the concept, concept that on a pouch, which is held close, or strapped to your body, there should be any problem of Sha'atnez. The concept of Sha'atnez, the Gimara Yivamot and Daftalid that we've cited several times over the course of the last several days, um, explains to us that Sha'atnez is defined by Hana'a derech himum it's pleasure and benefit, which comes by means of warming yourself. If the way to warm yourself is not normally done in such a fashion, but I am getting warmth from it, but it's not a normal at all, objectively. How do we objectify? Not simple, but the Gemara objectified this for us. Not normal to be provided warmth. A person doesn't take a purse, a pouch, and put it onto themselves to provide warmth. It's therefore permitted. What's that? If you're using it as a glove, so then mm-hmm. it would be. Yes. But the yeah, point you is, over are. here, you're not. This is I'm not. There like, to you move. Apparently, it is. It is. It's gonna give you I know it's it this one. one. We let it be yesterday. Be because that's, the Shamash would use it as such. That's right. What's that? Yes. So, isn't there any sword from the beginning? Before we go to the soul, where is it? Sure, you, okay. didn't, you didn't make it, you have it. You have it. Yeah. So that's it, once you have it, it's all the We're good. not talking about making, we're talking about having it and y- d- using it, absolutely. Uh, Harambam has something similar in this, in this. In a similar context. You see, I have two mishnayot, two well-known mishnayot in Masechet Kilaim, um, which address issues that come up in the context, well, of a Gemara that we saw earlier in our Masechet. So the first mishnah is dealing with What's the halacha in, um, well let's talk about the second Mishnah first. The second Mishnah talks about what's the halakha in a situation where you have people who are going to sell garments of shatnez. Are they allowed to carry the garments of shatnez on them? So that Mishnah in Harambam is poseket Halacha here in Perik Yod of Ilchot kilayim halakha yodchet he says lo yilbash adam kilayim First and foremost understand that you shouldn't be putting on kilayim even if it's arai, even if you just Throwing it on to yourself, it's not a permanent wearing Even if it's on top of 10 garments, it's not helping you per se. But if you're wearing it If you did place it upon yourself, look it that's similar to Halakha we learned earlier. and know, it's even though you're not directly benefiting from the sha'atnez that's underneath the ten mattresses, it's a problem. And this circumstance as well, if the clothing is on you, it poses a problem. At that in and of itself, we maybe could understand. You see, the interesting and difficult part is that Harambam, two halachot earlier writes the following from another Mishnah in Kilayim: V'ch'en muhre kesut. again going around and selling clothing, mochrin kedarkan. You're allowed to have, and that's the way they used to do it, put a lot of the clothing on you in order to show it to others, and you could walk around wearing (laughs) kilayim. However, their mindset needs to be such that they're not intending that the clothing that's on them protect them from the rain and give them warmth but wait a second, it sounds like a blatant contradiction. We're dealing with, well hold off on the curtain for a second, we're dealing with, let's, let's just spell this out. On the one hand, Harambam says, irrespective of your mindset, when you put the clothing on, it poses a problem, it's called kilaim, it's called sha'atnez, it's asur to do so. On the other hand, Harambam quotes another mishnah, in which it says, well, it depends on your intention, if your intention is to sell, that's permitted. Well, how do you square these one with the other? And as I told you, it's not Harambam, it's really mishnayot. So, the general approach this matter is without Harambam, is those Mishnayot are different opinions. They're the opinions that we've seen mentioned already of Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi is a Davarshe Enomit Mitkaven, a matter where you don't have intention, but uh, it takes place and it happens. Is that Asur or not? I saw this earlier in our Masechet. According to Rabbi Shimon, a Davarshe uh, is muta. a Davarshe Enomit according to Rabbi Huda is Asur. And maybe that's how you resolve these two Mishnayot. One Mishnah says you can't wear it even there, but it's not my intention. I just want, I'm just throwing it on to get it to another place. That's, a, that's a Asur, why? The Rashi Mitkaven Asur, Rabbi Yudah's opinion. The other Mishnah explicitly mentions the two opinions, of Shimon and Rabbi How could Harambam be uh, holding the uh, rope from both sides? Kesef Mishneh suggests, and that's why I mentioned in the context of our Gemara, that when you're going around and selling the clothing, that act of putting the clothing on you isn't considered wearing clothing at all. What are you doing over there? You're showing clothing to others by means of selling, or or for for the purpose of selling, which means, say, similar to how our Gemara mentioned, That the pouch is not derech himum, but I am getting warmth from it. But that's not the way you warm yourself. The reason you have it is in order to store your 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 seeds in it. The reason you have it is in order to carry something around. I might be getting warmth from it, but same way says Kesef Mishneh, I might be getting warmth when I'm walking in the in the winter months. But it's more than it's not my intentions. It's not even clothing that's being worn. That's right. Even if you hold that, in other words, the definition of clothing that's worn means I'm wearing it to cover myself. Over here, why am I wearing it in order to take it off and sell it to someone else? It it, 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 it um, defies even the definition of wearing, and as a result, it's mutar, similar to our gemara. Again, it had nothing to do with your intention in our gemara. We said it's not it's not the way you heat yourself. But maybe uh, I didn't have intention to, or I did have intention, it doesn't matter. That's not the way a person heats themselves. Okay, says so the gemara onward, uh, a few lines now, again, eight, nine lines from the top. The Mishnah told us furthermore, you're not allowed. Allowed to um, give as a gift on Yom Tov a uh, sandal, a sandal, a shoe which has a spike in it or has spikes connected to it. Why not? Sandal ha misumar says the Gemara may taama may taama lo question mark Why is it that you can't send spiked shoes on Yom Tov? Mishum maaseh shehayah period says the Gemara because of the story which happened. Uh, Rashi fills in he says it's the Gemara maasekhet shabbat and didn't help us all that much there. Uh, well, if you look in the Gemara over there, there are three versions, but a common denominator to all three of them. It happened on Shabbat during a time of persecution that there were many Jews gathered together and in the midst of being gather- of gathering together, they heard uh, the, I guess, Romans or persecuting uh, people approaching or believed that they heard them approaching. They were engaged in either the study of Torah or Tefillah or they were just hiding. I mean, there's again three versions in the Gemara and as a result They killed one another in confusion with the spikes that were on their shoes as a result since this took place on Shabbat and the rabbis perceived this as a dangerous type of clothing and to remember and respect what took place there was a decree a rabbinic enactment. No wearing spiked shoes on Shabbat. That being the case, since you can't be wearing it on Shabbat, and by extension, Yom Tov, says our Mishnah, you can't send a sandal ha on Yom Tov. Amar Abaye, Abaye now picks up on a point that Nathan was referencing earlier, sandal hamisumar asur lena'alo. Says Abaye, read the words of our Mishnah carefully. The words of our Mishnah tell us, don't send it. The reason you can't send it, we explained this, because you can't wear it. But I believe he says, nonetheless, you'd be able to carry it. Um, why do you say so? Well, again, we'll read it in a moment, but Nathan already picked up on this. If our Mishnah is a step later and telling us, listen, you can't send it, it is assuming that you yourself could be holding it. I can't send it, but I could move it around. Why is it, explains Abaye, that you're not allowed to be wearing this spiked shoe? sandal it's a rabbinic enactment, a gezerah, because of, one of that, that occurrence. Again, one of three uh, nuanced uh, versions. How do I know that it's permitted to be carried, to be handled? It's not considered muqseh. From the fact that our mishnah teaches in mishalehim, you may not send it. The isal al For if it were to rise in your mind, asur It's considered mukse, and you can't even handle or move it. Hashda asur. Now hashda means now. You're telling me you're not even allowed to move it. It's considered mukse. Mishalichin mi'ba'aya. Mi'ba'aya means is it necessary? Is it necessary to teach me? You can't send it. <laughs> Our Mishnah like, is, is all talking about what I you're allowed. That's right. That's right, we're paraphrasing that. All right. So, effectively, then, Abaye's statement is that we distinguish when it comes to this sandal hamisumar between what's permitted to do with it and its status. You're not allowed to send it, you're not allowed to wear it. Its status, however, is that it's not mukseh. Why should it not be considered mukse? Explains Rashi because it's considered a keli, it's still a utensil. It's defined as a utensil, and therefore has certain permissibilities. What sort of permissibility should it have? I'm not allowed to wear it. What can you use it for? Explains Rashba, based on gemara in Masechet Shaban, Davkov, Kaf Gimau. Explains Rashba, it's considered what's a keli she It's not a full-fledged permitted item. It's an item which, generally speaking, can and is used for prohibited purposes. That can only be used for Sorech Gufo and Sorech Mekomo. You can't use it for its general usage, but you can use it if there's, uh, the bottom of my chair is now rickety, I can stick in the shoe in order to bolster it. I can move it if I need the space where that shoe is. Certain things you can't even do that to. But if it's a keli sh'malakhto isur, if it's a utensil, we saw this once or twice already in Masei we'll see it again once or twice. If it's what's called keli Malachtoli isur, its purpose, its function is for prohibited usages, for the purpose of using it for another usage, or for the space, we call that tzorek gufo, or mikomo, it's permitted, and that's the circumstance putting it on, it's, it's no melacha. it's a isu midrabanan of putting it on your foot, because of ma'aseh shehaya, says the Gemara, our Mishnah told us you're furthermore not allowed to send a shoe which is not sewed, uh, it's not stitched up, says the Gemara, peshita, that's quite simple, if it's an unsewn shoe, if it's an unstitched shoe, so what's its usage, you're not wearing it, so then of course you can't send it. Uh, we made clear in our Mishnah you're only going to be sending things, only permitted to send things that can and would be used. This can't be used. Lan Yitzrecha, says the Gemara, it must be um, that our Mishnah is talking about the afalgav, that it's even in a circumstance the Nakit Besiche. Nakit means to hold on to. It means the shoe is held onto by Siche. What are Siche, Rashi? on the right-hand side gives us two versions with regards to what "sihe are, rashi, yetedot One interpretation of rashi is that the shoes are not stitched in the regular fashion. They're rather held up by pegs. That's what's holding them together not a normal usage of a shoe, not going to last you very long, and as a result, prohibited to send on Yom Tov. But there's a Hidush, even though Bishat I don't have anything else to put on my shoe, my feet, I have that shoe which is haphazardly put together, I need to go outside, I would put it on my feet, not allowed to send on Yom Tov. Not the regular usage, not the way we're, go- we're going to be, you're certainly allowed to yes. wear it. Uh, Other yeah, version, of not because of no. it's, the, it's the common denominator All the things in our Mishnah This is not the regular usage It's not the assumption As you're sending As It won't be used It would be prohibited Rashi has a different version But the common denominator Is the same It's a situation Where it's very um, loosely uh, stitched There's just two stitchings At the top Two in the middle And two at the end It's not stitched all around It's going to come apart it's an unfinished product. It's usable even though it's unfinished. If it was completely unfinished, you say, of course you can't sell I mean, it. It's, it's an in-between similar. stage. It's an in-between stage. That's why the Gemara says the Mishnah has a Hidush. Then we had in the Mishnah, Rabbi Uda Omer min alavan. If you recall, Rabbi Uda said, you're furthermore not allowed to send a shoe, which is white. And his reasoning, he made very clear. He says, because people don't wear white shoes, you need an uman, an expert to polish your shoe and turn it into a black shoe. And since I'm sending it to a person as white, they won't be wearing it. And as a result, it's prohibited to send them on Yom Top. Tanya, the Beraita, gives us further details with regards to this opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Absolutely. And we'll see in the Gemara, in that day and age, there were different customs that were prevalent with regards to what types of shoes were worn, and as a result, different halachot that applied. Tanya, the Beraita makes clear, Biudamatir matir and uh, that's what we saw in our Mishnah, that Rabbi Huda's opinion was specifically that the Lavan, the white one, was prohibited, but by extension or in contrast, a black shoe, meaning it's already polished, it's already dyed, is permitted to send. But it's specifically and only prohibited to send the white shoe in Rabbi Huda's provinces in his neighborhood. Hagir, because in order to um, dye, stain, polish the shoe, you need besat hagir. Gir in contemporary Hebrew means chalk. Rashi on the right-hand side over here explains to us that besat hagir says gir is min karkaha hamashkir. It's some sort of blackening chalk. Why is it known as the dough of chalk? Besat kol davar hanilosh v'nasa av. Karui says Rashi, anything that's a clump, anything that's clustered together and then kind of mushed together is similar to dough and as a result we refer to this as the doughy black chalk. Okay, but that being the case, for our purposes, Rabbi Uda, as we saw in the Mishnah, tells us that if it's a na'al-lavan, sandal-lavan, uh, it's azur, if it's already blackened, it's mutar. It says the beraitah further, there's a different opinion. Rabbi Oseh Osir Bishahor, Rabbi Yosei alternatively says, no, you're not allowed to send a black shoe. Does that mean that a white one's permitted, or you can't send any shoes? So the assumption, as Ritva points out, is that Rabbi Yosei, and we'll see this from the continued words in the Gemara, would permit white ones, but prohibit black ones, the complete opposite of Rabbi Uda. Why would you do so? Well, let's understand. First and foremost is rationale by the black one, Mipineh Shetzarich L'tzachzecho. The reason that it's prohibited to send a black shoe, specifically, is because it's necessary litzahtiho. Rashi translates l'tzachticho means lha to smoothen it. Now we'll read it in a moment as Rashi already alludes to us, the Gemara will point out that the shoes were crafted in the place of Rabbi Yehuda in the opposite way that they uh, were crafted in the place of Rabbi Yose. What do I mean by that? We'll read the words in the Gemara. V'la the, 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 what seemed like a dispute between a B.O.C. and a B.E.H.U.D.A. is not a machloke, la pelige, Pelig means split. Now, there's no split over here. They're just talking about different realities. Mor ki atre, ki atre. We say in the Kaddish, di atra haden, khoba di be atar. means place. Mor means the master, the rabbi. One of them was talking about his place, the way they made, made shoes. Umor mor, the other rabbi, was talking about Ki atre, like his place. How so? atre demor bisra letahat. The atre demor bisra Bisra milashon the flesh. The question is, with regards to the craftsmanship of the leather on the shoes, which side of the leather was facing outwardly and which side was inward? Now... What it means to say is when I skin an animal, never done it, don't, don't plan on it, but if I were to skin an animal and take that leather, uh, there's two sides to the leather. There's the external side which has hair on it. You take off that hair, you shear off the hair, the leather is not going to become uh, wrinkly. The leather will not become uh, cracked all that much is the understanding and you won't need to smoothen it. Alternatively, the inside of the leather is what's uh, more prone to becoming wrinkled. Now, that being the case, it goes like this. If you live in a place where the external side of my shoes is the basar, is the internal flesh side, not the se'ar, not the external um, hairy part of it. Well, as a result, it's prone to become wrinkled. That's the place of Rabbi Yoseh. Rabbi Yoseh says, if you blackened it, and now it becomes wrinkled, it looks wrong. Nobody would go outside with wrinkled shoes when you could look at it and say, oh, that's blackened, but it's got all these cracks in it. As a result, since they crafted shoes in such a fashion, where the inner flesh of the animal, so to speak, the inner side of the leather was facing outwardly black shoes nobody would wear unless they were smoothed and you're not sending those smoothed shoes as a, as opposed to in the place of Rabbi Yehuda in Rabbi Yehuda's place it was quite the opposite in Rabbi Yehuda's place the way they would, send sho- the way they would make shoes I don't know the end of the day shoes are unfinished so are they saying the question is, what was a normal wearing of shoes in each of those places? In the Biosser's place, in the Biosser's place, since, when he lived, since they would craft shoes in such a fashion, they wouldn't be wearing blackened shoes. Blackened shoes always needed to be smoothed. In the place of Huda in contrast, they never sent around white shoes, inappropriate.
1: But but
0: uh, yes, they're def they're defining unfinished and finished.